This is Mike Lindstedt, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, today we are back on our podcast series entitled Biblical Answers to Modern Questions, and we are walking through the book of 1 Corinthians here because 1 Corinthians is a book of correction. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to set in order the issues of the Corinthian church. He is correcting their behavior. That's what he's doing. So everything that's found within this book has a corrective tone to it. Chad, do you have any just sort of introductory comments on the book of 1 Corinthians? Well, obviously, uh, the people here are highly influenced by the worldly culture that they lived in and the Greek culture around Corinth and being a port city with a lot of different mm-hmm. pagan religion, religions coming throughout it. And um, I think we can apply a lot of it to our own selves because even though maybe some of the things that are being corrected aren't something that maybe you practice particularly, mm-hmm. the idea of being um, a impacted by and affected by worldly thought around you around us Mm. um is one that's quite common and and has been throughout the whole history of man right yeah and so the things that paul is addressing as well as um the call to repentance is something i think that we could all really benefit from yeah absolutely and what is even more relevant to our culture today is that Paul is dealing with a Gentile church that Mm. existed right at the time when Greek philosophy was thriving. Right. You know, and whether people understand this or not, the Mm. reality is, is that uh, Western civilization, Mm. its thought patterns, its maxims that it takes just Mm. as inherently true, um, its legal system to a degree, Mm -hmm. um, are built off of Greek philosophy and Greek ideas, right? Heavily influenced. Heavily influenced, right? So um, these things are extremely relevant to us today. Mm -hmm. That's why we entitled this Biblical Answers to Modern Problems. Right. So uh, let's get into our section today. We've got a little bit of uh, text to read here. We're going to read verses 1 through 23 in chapter 3, which is actually the entire chapter. (laughs) So I will read the first, um, let's say, let's say I'll read the first 11 verses and you finish us off. All right. Okay. It says this, but I, this is the apostle Paul speaking, but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? What then is Apollos, or what is Paul? They're servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, 
and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Did you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. All right. So Paul picks back up on his primary issue that he's dealing with here, which is divisions in the church. If you remember from the last episode, Paul sort of took a tangent, but a necessary one, and he really, really dove deeply into the differences between God's wisdom, which is revealed by his spirit that indwells his people, versus the wisdom of the world. Um, And he did this masterfully, as we discussed last time. I mean, again, Paul is really combating the culture of his day, which was heavily influenced by Greek philosophy which the things that the Greek culture in general valued were not only philosophy, but also rhetoric, um, pithy words. Uh, they, they valued noble people of noble birth, or, you know, they valued this elite status that the culture would put on others based on who they, uh, or what family that they were a part of. They also valued just strength and might and worldly wisdom. And so Paul is combating those things, and he's mm-hmm. doing it in such a way where he's actually using the world's tools against them. He's using right. philosophy. He's using pithy word statements. He's doing all these things, but he's, he's doing it in a way to belittle the world's wisdom when it's seen in light of God's wisdom. But he's getting back to his primary issue here, that what the Corinthians were doing was that they were following men. They were not following Christ. Mm -hmm. And based on who they followed, like verse uh, 4 says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, they were attributing a particular status to that little tribe that followed that particular leader, Mm -hmm. right? And what this was doing, as it says here in verse uh, 3, it says that, they were acting like men. And specifically what they were doing is they had jealousy and strife amongst them. And these are characteristic of the flesh. Now, the words for jealousy and strife in the original language uh, literally mean like they they were at each other's throats. There was hot anger. It was quarreling. It was uh, intense debate that wasn't... um, cordial debate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to just have a picture in your mind, it was like a British parliament, you know, the House of Commons standing up and yelling at each other, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um, and so, it, and this was all bad. This was all sinful. This mm-hmm. is all fleshly. 
uh, and at the root of all this, Chad, was pride. Mm -hmm. This was pride. We follow Apollos, therefore we are better than you in every way imaginable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it literally got to that point, as we're going to see later on. It's uh, it's religious tribalism. Exactly. Uh, It it is exactly what it was, Mm -hmm. religious tribalism. And so Paul is trying to, I guess, put the proper perspective into their minds. If you look Mm -hmm. at verse 5, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Mm-hmm. They're just servants right. through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. They're just literally in the Greek diakonos. It, it's the, where we get the word deacon from, right? Yeah. The general meaning is to run an errand. It's a minister. It's an attendant, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're just like we're attendants to what God wants us to do. Right. In general, it's actually referred to a waiter. We're just waiters. We bring the stuff from the kitchen to the table. That's what we do, right? Mm. We bring the word of God, which is the food for your soul, and we deliver it unto you. That's mm. that's all we do, right? We are uh, we are the waiters of God, if you will, right? Mm. And so he he's doing this for a very specific reason, um, and and he really starts to expound on on this uh, reality of them being servants throughout these these next few images that he uses or illustrations, right? And the first one that he does is he uses a field, mm-hmm. right? The field, not the church that's in Mandeville, but God's field, <laughs> God's right? Field, yeah. So listen to what verses six through nine say. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He goes on to say, he who plants nor he who waters, they are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. So we are servants through whom you believed. Here's illustration number one. We're God's field workers, Mm -hmm. okay? I planted Apollos waters, but God gives the growth. Right. I love that illustration because a farmer can't take credit for the growth of the plant right the life force is already in the seed the rain has to come down the sunshine has to come all that which god has created has to function for the crop to grow the farmer just literally puts it in the ground yeah and he's faithful to tend to it right that's it and so in this one single verse the first the verse i just read in uh verse six uh God is the one, like you said, Chad, who gives the growth. He is the one who gets all the credit for what comes forth from mm-hmm. just the, the faithful labor of Apollos and Paul here, right. right? Of the farmer. The laborer does not give any life. Right. Verse 7, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Right. It doesn't matter who you follow, Corinthians. Right. Right? They're nothing. So in this one single verse, literally he's making his point known that mankind in all of his doings is nothing. Yeah. God is everything in right. all of his doings, right? right? He's trying to get their eyes off of following mankind mm-hmm. by giving the Corinthian church the proper perspective and get their eyes onto mm-hmm. God, Jesus. It's the same pride that you see within religious circles now of um, really putting your hope or your identity in, in a church or a preacher that you follow or a movement that you're a part of or go outside of the church and it's, it's the person who wears their um, New Orleans Saints jersey everywhere they go yeah, like, yeah. and says, we, we're we doing this, we're doing that, as if they play on the team, which they do not. Right. It's that same pride of trying to be something based upon 
the value of something else. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so Paul continues on. He changes the metaphor. But before he does, I love this in verses eight and nine. It's a really encouraging and balancing statement in case you are one of God's fellow workers, right? Mm -hmm. If you are a faithful laborer in God's field, listen to this. He says, he who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Mm -hmm. For we are God's fellow workers. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, dude. Mm -hmm. Like to think about just the honor and glory right. that God is due and that he would even allow us mm -hmm. to be fellow workers with him in his field. Right. It's just mind-blowing. And it shows that God is righteous and just. You will receive wages according to your labor. Mm -hmm. Like God is righteous. So if you, if you listen or find yourself in ministry or not even in occupational ministry, just if you are a Christian and you're faithful to make disciples wherever you go, like you will be rewarded for that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how God's gonna reward you, but be rest assured, he is righteous and just. He right. will do it. He you will. know, right. he will do it. If not in this life, certainly in the life to come. Right? Mm -hmm. You have been given the treasury of heaven in Christ. <laughs> I mean, the reward is <laughs> is I would say um, way too much pay for the labor in some cases. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, certainly uh, boundless, right. if you will. So, so, so Paul goes on to change the metaphor then mm -hmm. um, in verse nine, he says, you are God's field. And then he goes, God's building. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now he's changing the metaphor, right? And I love how he opens this section up here with according to the grace of God given to me. I mean, this is powerful to mm -hmm. stop and make a comment on. Mm -hmm. What is the grace of God, right? Well, the word caress means the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Wow. Mm. So what Paul is saying is that the grace of God, which is the divine influence upon my life and my heart, it motivates me, it energizes me, and it sustains me to do the work that God has called me to do. Mm. That's the grace of God on his life. It's motivating, it's energizing, and it will sustain him. You know, it reminds me of Colossians chapter one, verses 28 through 29. Listen to how he says it here. He says, it is Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For I, or for this, I toil, mm -hmm. struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Grace mm -hmm. is not only um, something that is given to you that is not, or not worthy of mm -hmm. being received, it is also a motivational factor. It is also literal divine energy within you that God mm. gives you. Yes, you don't deserve it, but he gives it to us. And this is what Paul says motivates him to be a master builder, right? This is what Paul does. Right. He goes around the Mediterranean throughout his life and he lays the foundation mm. for the church to be built. And that's what he's calling back to mind here for the Corinthian church. Come back to the origin of when Paul came and proclaimed the gospel, which Paul is making clear the grace of God. It was... God's grace, God's power that moved through the gospel message. Paul just came as a faithful laborer to lay the foundation of the gospel, which would they put their hope in, put their hope in Christ. Yeah. And now he's just showing, you know, I was a master builder that laid a foundation that someone else is building upon. Mm -hmm. You know, speaking of, of Apollos, that he's just a fellow worker, fellow laborer that's continuing to build the church, um, the building up of the body, as Ephesians yeah. 4 would tell us. It's so good. And so he gets into a little bit of theological doctrine here, yeah. um, which is really important. So we need to make a comment about it. Here's what he says. 
According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care on how he builds. So that word take care, or it can also be translated, let each one be careful how he builds. It literally means to take heed, Mm -hmm. but it it has an exclamatory phrase uh, attached to it. So it's like, be careful. Right. Or like, take heed, right? Yes, certainly a warning. Especially what comes in verse 11. Right. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, applying, implying that they're beginning to lay false doctrine. Yes. They're, they, are, they, are, they are doing that. They are doing things that are not of eternal value as mm-hmm. well, right? Because mm-hmm. it can be as extreme as that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but notice what he goes on to, do, how he describes this, verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, or straw. There is a clear difference there in materials that are being used mm-hmm. to build, right? Right. You can use wood, hay, straw to build a house. It's not mm-hmm. the most effective. It's not going to last. Right. right. If a fire comes, boom, there goes your house. Right. You, but you can also use gold, silver, and precious stones to build your house. Mm-hmm. Now, even if you know the Old Testament, the building of God's temple, dude. Gold, silver. Gold, silver, precious stones everywhere, right? right. So... I was listening to a sermon by MacArthur on this, and he was describing like the wood, hay, silver, uh, the wood, hay, and straw, just kind of like those things that, you know, that Christians do with great um, sort of intentions, but that mm-hmm. really aren't according to their best giftings. So, oh, yeah, like, yeah. you know, let's just use a, let's just say Jim, for example's sake, is gifted in preaching and teaching, mm-hmm. but Jim spends all of his time uh, just doing Bible studies all the time, and not really inviting a whole lot of people, not really like giving back to his church, just he's studying the Bible all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good thing, right? You're building a religious life uh, built on the foundation of Christ, right. but you're not, you're building with wood, hay, and straw. You're building just your life. You're not giving, right, to the to the fullest extent that you could. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how he described it, MacArthur. Is like, look, if you've been, he used an example from his own life, I remember now. So MacArthur is obviously gifted in preaching and teaching the word. He's not the best writer. Mm-hmm. So he's got tons of books out there, hundreds. And he says in this sermon, the reason why I've been able to do that is because a guy in his church who is a writer offered his services to MacArthur and said, look, just give me all of your preparation material and I'll put it into book format for you. Wow, amazing, right? So MacArthur gets to do what he's best at doing. So he's building with gold, silver, precious stones. And this other guy, who's his ghostwriter, for lack of a better way of saying it, is building with gold, silver, and precious stones. Right. And you can see the, the dramatic reach and impact that, that that ministry's had. Yeah, It's not because MacArthur is some great author. He's not. That's right. what he said. <laughs> right. But he does the diligent work of study, which he is good at doing. And the notes. Correct. So verse 13, getting back to our text, now that we understand what it means to build with those particular materials, Paul tells us that each one's work will become manifest for the day, mm-hmm. capital D, this is, the day of what? Well, we're going to find out in a second. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but as only through fire. Okay, what day is Paul referring to here? Day of judgment. Day of judgment. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 10 says this, for we must 
all appear before the judgment seat of Christ Mm -hmm. so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Okay, so the judgment seat of Christ, Mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about here. How do we know that? Well, because of who's Paul, Paul's addressing. Paul's not, a, he's not talking about judgment on sinners. Mm-hmm. He's talking about judgment of Christians. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean, Mike? I, I thought my, my sin was judged on the cross. It was. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Judgment in this context is not judgment on sin. Mm-hmm. We're talking about building the, off the foundation of Christ. Mm-hmm. We're talking about your religious life that you build, right? right? We're talking about your ministry that you are executing, right? That God has given you. Are you doing it with diligence? Right. Are you building it according to the word of God? And that's true for everyone because 2 Corinthians 5 also speaks of how we are all ambassadors for Christ. So mm-hmm. this isn't only speaking of someone who's in full-time ministry. This is speaking of every Christian. Are you stewarding your life and are you seeing your life as a mission field in the areas of influence you have? If you're a stay-at-home mom, how are you investing in those kids? How are you investing in other moms you spend time with? If you're a businessman... How are you investing in your employees or the opportunities with new clients or your neighbors and your friends? Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's the ministry that we're all given. So true. So true. So just a quick note on 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 that I just read about the judgment seat of Christ. It says that everyone's going to receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Mm-hmm. Good or evil has no moral content to it in these Greek terms that are translated good and evil. These are actually probably not the best translations because it can make one think like, oh, well, do I have to be good now even though I'm saved? Like it can lend itself to that Galatianism that we've talked mm-hmm. about, you know, like one saved, now working my way to heaven. Right. <laughs> so here's the note in the MacArthur Study Bible on that. It says, these Greek terms do not refer to moral good and moral evil. Matters of sin have been completely dealt with by the death of our Savior. Rather, Paul was comparing worthwhile, eternally valuable activities with useless ones. Mm. Okay, so this is exactly what Paul is also referring to in the first Corinthian text that we're in now. What is worthwhile is gold, silver, precious stones. Okay, practically speaking, like we said again, that means you are building a religious house on the word of God. Mm-hmm. Right? You can go back to Matthew 7, listen to Jesus' words there, right? right? The house that was built on the rock was the person that heard the word and did it, right? Mm-hmm. So that is the um that is the doctrine of the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema judgment, right? That's mm-hmm. the Greek word for the judgment seat, Bema. So this is the Bema judgment. And again, to sum it all up, this means that all Christians, according to the word of God, will be judged by Christ at death. Yeah. Our sin has already been judged by Christ at his death. So, during the bema judgment, we will receive rewards for what we have done while we are here on earth. And w- what kind of rewards could you be talking about? Well, that's a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. But just let I want you guys out there listening to know that the Bible clearly teaches that we will stand before Christ and be rewarded. Mm-hmm. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? Right? Whatever you have burned up or whatever that you have built on the foundation of Christ that was useless or not eternally valuable will be burned up mm-hmm. and you will enter, be entered into heaven, right? right? You will be saved, it says explicitly in verse 15, but only as through fire. Mm-hmm. Meaning whatever you built that, again, was not eternally valuable, is poof, it's gone. It's burned mm-hmm. up in a judgment. 
and you will be rewarded for what is eternal, eternally valuable. Okay, so then he goes on to just, again, finish up his point here. And, and his primary point is this. Stop following men and start following Christ, okay? What he says in verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Just because you think you're wise for following me, Paul, or just because you think you're wise for following Apollos, stop thinking that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for the wisdom of this world is folly with God. You're thinking like carnal people. You're thinking like spiritual infants. Yeah. Right? There's no difference between that mindset and what you find out in the Greek marketplace. Right? right? They put a premium on who they follow. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Do not do that. And he goes on to quote a couple of verses. Verse 21, he says, So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul, Apollos, Peter, world, life, death, present, future, everything's yours. Mm -hmm. And you are Christ, you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Yeah. What does he mean by everything is yours? That takes us back to chapter one and verse uh, five. That in every way you were enriched in Christ. In Christ, listener, you have everything mm -hmm. for life and godliness. All the, the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You have eternal life in him. You have been made wealthy in every way in Jesus Christ. And so that's what Paul's saying again. He's reiterating his starting point because mm -hmm. he's ending off this section here on the need for unity within the Corinthian church. Mm -hmm. And just to um, peel back just for a second to 16 and 17, we kind of glossed over that quickly where he says, do you not know that you are God's temple and mm. that God's spirit dwells in you? Paul is helping them with a very clear and important theological point that anyone who is in Christ, this is, this is pointing to the scriptures. This is pointing to the old temple, temple uh, covenant and law that there was a temple where the Holy Spirit dwelled. And that when Christ died, the veil was torn. And now the Holy Spirit dwells within the believer that we're talking about all these trivial things of who you're following, who you're not. And, don't you know your God's temple? Mm. The Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you. Where's that idea of fellow worker? Mm -hmm. That's where in 2 Corinthians he talks about we're all ambassadors for Christ. That Paul and Apollos aren't any more valuable than you. Like, right, they're not rock star status. No, this is God's body. This is God's temple. Yes. That if you're in Christ, you're God's temple. And, and also there's an indictment there of your defaming or... Um, taking in vain the temple of God, mm. right? Which they would have, you know, almost been indignant at if you confused them of, of right. taking God's temple. He says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Right. Right. For the temple of God is holy, and you are that temple. And what he's saying there is, don't you know the purpose of your life is to be holy, mm. to be set apart, to be like Christ? Like, that's your only job. Yeah, and so acting like a fleshly... <laughs> Right. immature, sinful right. person, that is actually damage to the temple of God. Why? Right. Because it's sin, and it's against God's holy nature. Exactly. And we should heed that same warning. We are God's mm. temple. The Holy Spirit of Christ, if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And God's only and number one goal for every Christian is to be sanctified into the image of his Son, to be holy. Amen.
So that's a good place to end it. I'm mm. I'm glad that I accidentally skipped over that because <laughs> <laughs> you brought us around. And that's a great ending point. Remember, if you are in Christ, man, that means you are literally part of God's holy temple. Like you are God's temple. Mm. And not only that, you have been given everything, everything that truly mankind was created to be and to concern himself with is found in Christ. So we want to encourage you, if you don't know the Lord, man, open up the Bible, start reading it for yourself, start in the gospel of John, right? Get mm -hmm. to know who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. That's the most important question anybody could ever answer. Who is Jesus? Who is he? Who has he said he is, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't know him, get to know him. If you do know him, keep on walking with him in spirit and in truth. Amen. We thank you all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project Podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project Podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985 205 